All right, so welcome to Second Chance Church. I want to say welcome to everybody online. Last week, once again, we had people from Ireland. We had people from Southeast Asia. We had people from Belton, um, everywhere, all over the map. So I want to say welcome to everybody online. I want to say welcome to everybody in the room. Super glad that you guys are here for Mother's Day. And normally, normally, normally we'll dive in and I'll tell you a particular passage or a text of scripture to dive into, but we're not going to do that today because we're going to be a little bit all over the map. In fact, in fact, um, after today's talk, you, you might have the conclusion, you know, that, that really wasn't a sermon. That was more of a talk. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that's probably going to be true. So if you want to hear a sermon, you can go back and listen to last week or you can join us next week where we're going to continue the He's Up to Something series. But today's going to be more of a talk um, specifically geared to mothers. Now, real quick confession before we dive in. I'm not a mother. And, just so you know, biologically, I don't think I qualify to be a mother. And I'm super thankful because of what I see moms go through that I can't be a mother. So, I went to Facebook this week, and I put out a question for moms. I just said, hey, moms, tell me what the toughest thing is about being a mother. Now, there were over 500, I think it might be up to 600 comments now. And I read through every one of them. Sat down, literally read through every comment um, on Facebook. And I laughed and I cried as I read through those comments because um, several, several themes popped out. Number one uh, was mom guilt, where you look at other moms and you think, well, they've got it all together and I don't have it all together. And their, picture, their family picture looks great on Instagram. And my kids screamed the whole time. Um, knowing that their ki- kids screamed the whole time too, they just gave them some NyQuil and it calmed them down. That's why their kid wasn't screaming. Um, seeing your kid hurt, that was one of the top things. When a mother sees their kid hurt or in pain, that's really, really, really difficult. Seeing your kid leave, like the kid's going to leave the home one day, and that's, that's a really difficult thing, even for me as a dad to wrap my mind around. So that was, there are just so many common themes. In fact, I left it up on Facebook if you want to go through and even add to it after today's message. Um, so I was really thinking, okay, I'm not a mother. I don't understand the challenges that mothers have. What in the world could we do on Mother's Day that would really speak to moms? And even though I'm not a mother, I had a mother. Well, I have a mother. She's in heaven. She's not with us now. Um, and I, So about a month ago, I sat down with a piece of paper and a pen, and I listed all the things I felt like my mother taught me. Um, and then I kind of crossed through some stuff um, that I probably shouldn't share in church. Um, but I, I kept crossing, kept writing, kept writing, kept crossing. And I came up with five things. If you're a note taker, I'm, I'm just going to give you five things that I feel like I learned from my mother that I really do hope and, um, will, and pray will encourage mothers, challenge mothers, and maybe, maybe even challenge all of us in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So if you're taking notes, here, here we go. First thing I, I learned from my mother is this. Now I'm picking up my phone and I'm not checking my text messages. We're trying this new app thing. Here we go. Though none go with me, I still will follow. The first thing I learned from my mother is though none go with me, I still will follow. Now, let me kind of set this up because that's a line from a hymn called I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Um, My mother and my father, when they got married, they shouldn't have made it. They didn't meet in church. They met 
and a honky-tonk. Now, not a bar, not a bar. Very different. Buck, you know what the difference is between a bar and a honky-tonk, right? Is that where you and Wanda met? Okay, okay. So a honky-tonk is a bar that rednecks are scared to go to, all right? And so my mom and dad, that's, that's where they met. My dad was a musician, and um, he, he played guitar, and he sang, and my mom came in, and they did everything wrong. They did everything wrong. Hooked up the first night they, they met, um, lived together, then got married. I mean, just everything that you have ever heard in church not to do, that's what my parents did, which probably explains me a little bit. So, so the marriage wasn't going good, and they moved to California, and then my mom got pregnant with me when she was 38 years old. And um, my mom decided one day just to try church out. She said, I'm going to give it a shot. And so she goes to church without my dad, and she, she loved it, so she goes back the next week. Well, it's a small church in Whittier, California, which is right outside of Los Angeles. And the pastor and a deacon asked my mom on that Sunday, the second Sunday she went back, can, can we come by your house and visit, like, next week? And she was like, sure. But she didn't tell my dad. She didn't tell my dad until five minutes before the pastor and the deacon were supposed to come over. And then she tells my dad, and he got mad and cussed a little and had to go pour out his beer because you didn't drink in front of the preacher or whatever. And he was really upset. But that day, and this, this is, my dad tells me this, told me this story, the pastor came in and the deacon shared the gospel with my parents, and both of them prayed to receive Christ in our living room, all because my mother decided she would go to church even if she had to go all by herself. Now, it gets better because we moved from California to South Carolina when I was four years old. And my dad, my, what was really funny is my dad went from honky-tonk bar singer to like worship leader in that little church in California. Like that, that's crazy, I know. But we came back to South Carolina, and my dad kind of was like this spiritually roller coaster, either loved Jesus or loved the devil, and there really wasn't in between. But my mom stayed pretty consistent. So on the Sundays that my dad wouldn't go to church, he would lay in bed, my mom would get up and go. And she made me get up and go every single week. And I hated it, and I complained, and I always said I was sick. I don't know if you ever tried to pull that thing, I'm sick. And my mom would say, you know, if you're sick today, then if you're sick now, then you're probably going to be sick all day, and you won't be able to play outside. And there was a miracle in my house every Sunday morning. I just got well. God healed me on the spot. I would go to church, and I hated it. But I'm super, super, super glad that my mother was persistent, even when it was difficult. And so I just want to encourage moms out there that sometimes you feel all alone. And maybe it's because you are alone. Maybe you're a single mom, and you're just kind of pushing through that difficult time, and you're wondering, is it worth it? I mean, oh my gosh, I'm trying to get, in the, in, or the dad's in bed, or he won't come, or he won't lead spiritually, and you're just kind of frustrated. I want to let you know, keep hanging in there, because my mother is still the most significant spiritual influencer in my entire life. I'm 46 right now. I only knew her for 11 years. But in the last church I pastored, listen to me, over 50,000 people came to Christ. And I can trace that heritage all the way back to a mother that simply wouldn't give up. The Apostle Paul said this. The Apostle Paul said this in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this. In other words, the Apostle Paul said, 
I'm not perfect. So if you're out there and you're a mom or your dad or no, no matter who you are, and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't gotten to where I need to get in my walk with Jesus. Even the Apostle Paul said that. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but look at this. I press on. Those words right there, I press on. Moms, dads, anybody out there where you feel like you're not quite where you need to be, if the Apostle Paul said, I press on, then that's something that we can take as encouragement as well. And keep pressing on even when the days are tough. Number two, number two, you invest in what you love. Oop, I didn't invest. Will you advance that, Ed? There you go. You invest in what you love. Now, calm down. We're not taking an offering. I'm just going to kind of talk to you about my mom and the way she invested in me. Um, I grew up in the late 70s. That's late 70s, early 80s. And it was awesome in a lot of ways. We only had three channels, ABC, CBS, NBC. Um, the news was only on like an hour a day, so you couldn't get that freaked out. Now today we freak people out all the time. They were talking about climate change. For those of you that were around in the late 70s, they were talking about climate change. But it wasn't global warming. They were talking about an ice age. You can go back and research this. An ice age was coming. Hadn't got here yet. In South Carolina, it's freaking 90 degrees this week. It's hot, all right? Um, and, and, uh, and, and I didn't, so because of that, I didn't understand a lot about the educational system. Today, we hear about the education system. I think uh, this past week was Teacher Appreciation Week. So if you're a teacher, thank you um, for what you do. You are making it. And by the way, if I were president of the United States, I would double teacher salaries right off the bat. Hashtag vote for Perry. All right, so I would, I, I, teacher, um, I think last week or two weeks ago, there was a teacher strike in Arizona. See, when I was a kid, we wouldn't have known about that. But because of 24-hour news, it's like teacher strike in Arizona and it's, whose fault is it or whatever. So with all that in mind, I didn't know a lot about the educational system. So at four years old, my parents put me in private school. Now, I got kicked out of my first private school at four years old. And some of you are like, you got kicked out of school at four years old. Yes, I've always excelled in everything that I've done, even getting, I got kicked out of my first private school, and I got sent to my second private school, which was easily Christian school. And I never will forget, second grade, Miss Pennell's class, coming out of the bathroom, because all of us went to the bathroom together. I don't know how they do it now, but we all, you know, had to stand outside or whatever, line up. I saw my mom standing outside the office. Automatically, it brought fear to me, because I'm like, why, why is she here? Because um, literally I've got a story where the principal called my mother one time and the mo my mom came to the school to give me a spanking in front of the principal. Not making that up. Not making that up. So my mom was standing outside the office and I was like, what have I done? So I walked up to her and I was like, hey mom, you know, what are you doing here? I'm a little nervous. She's like, oh, I'm here to pay for you to go to school this month. And I was like, pay? It never crossed my mind that my mom and dad had to pay for me to go to this private school. Now, when I say that, my mom and dad weren't rich people, okay? We lived on the Mill Hill in Easley, South Carolina. There's uh, nobody rich lives on the Mill Hill on purpose, okay? Blue collar workers, my dad worked first shift, my mom worked second shift. She would get home at midnight every single night, but you know what? She taught me you invest in what you love because it wasn't just the fact that they worked hard to send me to a private school. Every morning when I got up to get ready for school, 
My mom had breakfast for me. And, and not, not Fruit Loops or Fruity Pebbles. She wouldn't, actually, she wouldn't let me have a lot of sugar cereals. Um, it was like bacon and eggs. She, made, she would get out of bed and make breakfast for me. You know what that was? It was an investment. When she could have stayed in bed, she kept going. You always invest in what you love. Now, moms, I want to talk to you for just a second. Because a lot of you probably don't get a whole lot of thank yous. I mean, and it's not because your kids are evil. Well, most of your kids aren't evil, but it's not because your kids are evil. It's because when it comes to a relationship with your children, it's an investment, not a transaction. A transaction is when I give you something, you give me something back. I give you $5, you give me a hat. I give you $2, you give me a shirt, whatever. That, that's a transaction. And we're used to living in a transactional society. But moms, you're, you're, you're living in an investment society. And sometimes the investment that you make in your kids won't be seen even this side of eternity. So you got to trust that what you're investing in will bring a return. Um, my mother invested in me. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And just like Jesus laid down His life for us, moms, I know you're laying down your life for your kids and your family, and my mom taught me that. She taught me you invest in what you love. Which is why I take care of the Waffle House every time we go out to eat. I had somebody ask me the other day, is there not another restaurant in Anderson? Did you? We got like four Waffle Houses. We really do. Anderson is blowing up. But the reason I take her there, here, it's very simple. It's where she wants to go. And you know what I'm doing? Other than destroying my body by eating at the Waffle House, I'm making an investment. Because you know what? Especially she lives in the southeast. When she's 18, she's 28, and she's 38, and she's driving down the road, and she sees a Waffle House, who's she going to think of? Her daddy. It's an investment. It's an investment. Number three, number three. Forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. My mom taught me to forgive quickly. Now, I want to set this story up. Some of you may have heard this story. I've told it once. It's a true story, and don't judge me, because I was young and stupid and foolish. My mom, we lived on the Mill Hill, like I said, right next to my grandmother. My mom's mom, she lived next door. And I was real young, maybe about seven or eight years old, and I was freaked out to stay by myself. Because my dad always scared me. My dad thought it was awesome to scare me. He, he did it recreationally, all right? So I was always scared, always a little freaked out. It's probably why I have a concealed weapons permit right now. Um, but my mom said, I'm going to go next door, and I'm going to be at your grandmother's for just a few minutes, and I'm coming straight back. And I said, well, let me go with you. She said, no, 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 no. You just stay here. Um, and, and now I know what it is. It's like moms, you're like, can I get just five minutes? I just need five minutes away from my kid. That's why you go in the bathroom and shut the door. You just want five minutes. And so looking back, I know that's what she was doing because I was probably driving her crazy. So she went to my grandmother's house, and she was gone. Let me just say this in defense of what I did. She was gone a long time, way more than five minutes. When she, so when my mom walked back in the door, I thought I should teach her a lesson. True story. I'm not making this up. She leaned down to give me a kiss, and when she did, I took my open hand. I know. Some of you are like, you should go to hell. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I did for the next five minutes. I went there. Trust me. Trust me. You can't get any closer to hell. I just brought it 
right across her face. I can still hear the smack sound. Now, the next five minutes of my life, honestly, is completely blanked out, and I think God has rescued me. She, um, my, my mama was a redneck. She went to a honky-tonk, all right? She, she didn't play like that. So um, I, was, I did not get put in timeout. I, it was the late 70s. We didn't believe in timeout. We believed in, yeah, so I got one of those. Do you know that my mother never brought it up again? She never brought it up again. We were never driving down the road one day, and she was like, you know, you remember that time you slapped me? Really hurt. Really hurt. Here's what's really impressive. She never told my dad. Which is great, because I would have got a two-for-one special, because that's the way my mom and my dad operated. If you got one from one, they, I mean, they, they're all about the bargain. I, I would have gotten a two-for-one. My dad didn't know till after my mom had been dead for several years, and we were talking one time, and I said something about smacking her. He's like, oh, you didn't do that, did you? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, what happened? I was like, I don't know. I don't really understand what happened after that. But my mom never brought it up, never told anybody about it. And I look back on that, and I'm like, man, she taught me something that Jesus teaches us in the Scriptures that we shouldn't just forgive, but we should forgive quickly. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's right. Peter came to Jesus one time in Matthew chapter 18. The Bible says this, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now let me pause real quick. The Pharisee said that you needed to forgive people three times. After three times, you're done. Peter goes seven. He goes like three plus one on the Pharisees, right? So how many? Seven. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, that doesn't mean you, we get to carry around a notebook and say, okay, that's once. Okay, that's twice. And on, on 78, we get to kind of lower the boom on them. What, what this means is, is, is very, seven is the number of completion in the Scriptures. And so Jesus is saying, not only should you forgive, but you, could, you should completely forgive. And you should continually forgive. And this is something that Jesus says in the Scriptures, but it's a lesson taught to me by my mother. Number four, number four. Pretending only punishes you. Pretending only punishes you. Um, one of the things my mom didn't do is she didn't pretend. And she's a, she was a smoker. And when I say smoker, she didn't have like the occasional smoke. She was like two packs a day smoker. I mean, she, if she did it, she did it right. I one time had a guy tell me that's the reason that she died is God, it was God's judgment on her. Christians are so nice sometimes. Anyway, um, I, looking back, I didn't hit him, but I should have. I shouldn't have hit my mother. I should have punched him. Um, but, she's, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. She didn't hide it. Have you ever met somebody, moms, the answer to this is yes, if you have a kid, who tried to hide something from you? By the way, moms always, always find out. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. Um, but people try to, I, I ran into a guy one time at a Clemson game and he was, he was smoking. Looking back, it was probably weed, um, but it could, it could have been a cigarette. And he, he saw me, he's like, Pastor P and he's holding the cigarette behind his leg. And I'm like, he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm great, but your freaking legs on fire. Um, but he was literally holding it back. Here. So I just stayed there to see how long I could keep the conversation going. I did that on purpose. 
So my mom smoked, and she didn't pretend, she didn't try to hide it. She would roll up in the church parking lot, like, like just burning them down, man. It was incredible. And I, I remember one time talking to her about it, because in the church that I attended, my mom, she was looked up to as a spiritual leader, but she couldn't hold a position of leadership because she smoked. It's crazy, huh? Like, you could, you could gossip and they would make you the president. Just, anyway, another time. So, so I remember one time asking her, you know, why do you smoke? And, well, I mean, we're pulling up now. She, like, she didn't light up during the message. Like, that, that, that would have been uncool. But I, I remember her telling me, she said, I'm just not going to hide stuff. I'm not going to pretend. Because pretending only punishes you. Because, see, she saw something happen years before her father, my papa, was very involved in church and he was a deacon in his church and, like, super, super involved. And one day, two deacons came by his house. And this is back during the day where people didn't call before they came by to see you. They just came by to see you. I'm usually around dinner time, and you would feed them too. It's crazy. I know. That doesn't happen today. You knock on my door, and I don't know you're coming. I don't answer. That's just the way. That's, that's how I roll. But two deacons came by to see my papa. Now, my papa, imagine this. That's who I'm named after. His name was Perry. He had, like, white hair sitting on the front porch, smoking a pipe. I can't wait till I become an old man because I'm going to have a pipe everywhere I go and a fedora. I just think that's the coolest thing in the world. So my papa's smoking a pipe. He got kicked off the deacon board and they nearly kicked him out of the church. So my mom saw that and said, you know what? I'm not going to pretend. This is who I am. Now, let me, let me stop and say, she tried to quit. She tried to quit several times, but she couldn't. And when she didn't succeed... She just wouldn't hide it. And she taught me something. Um, Jesus actually quoted this scripture in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. The Bible says this. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. So when my mom did smoke, at the end of the day, she had a heart. For the Lord. I can remember getting out of bed and going into the, going into the kitchen and seeing her sitting at the, at the kitchen table, Bible open, black coffee, cigarette, every morning, because she wasn't going to pretend. I learned that from my mom. The last thing, the last thing is, it is well with my soul. The last thing I think I would say, and I could probably list 28 things, but the last thing is it is well with my soul. January 1st, 1980, January, 1982 started out real good for me, real good. Uh, I was in Miami, Florida, January 1st, 1982, where Clemson won the first of our two national championships. Um, it's a Carolina fan here. These, yeah, she, she don't pretend either. Um, but... Clemson won the first of our two national foot. And I know somebody always goes, we got a national championship too, like in women's lacrosse. Congratulations. You, <laughs> let me know when you get one in football, all right? Got to take those shots when you can. But it, it really did. I remember being there. I was there when they won the national championship. And, and 1982 was going really, really good. We did a cross-country road trip. My dad, I've told you all about that before. We drove across country and we would drive back. But on the drive back, my mom got sick. And we just thought like it was an upset stomach. But when we got home, she didn't get better. She, she kind of started like getting really, really super tired. And so they took her to the doctor and they said she needed a gallbladder operation. 
Now, back in 1982, like, isn't gallbladder like an outpatient thing now? Don't you go in and they, like, do something with a little scope and you're just gone? It's like 10 minutes. So it's like, bam, and your gallbladder's just gone. But back in 1982, you had to go in. They had to, like, do surgery and prep, and there was all this stuff. And so um, I never will forget the morning I went, I, I got up, and I was just going to school. And, you know, she was going to My dad was taking her, so I just hopped on the bus and went to school. And it was just a normal day. Gallbladder surgery, that's all it was. I came home from school that day, rode the bus home, and as I was walking up to my driveway, there were cars everywhere at my house. And I recognized them. There was aunts and uncles and all kinds of, there was a lot of people at my house. And I was like, what's going on? So I, um, I walked in and my dad was like, you know, we've been waiting on you to come in, got some news for the family, and everybody sat down. And I never will forget my dad telling me, Your, your mom doesn't have, a doesn't have a gallbladder problem. When they got in there today, she's got cancer, and it's too far gone, and there's nothing they're going to be able to do, and she won't make it till Christmas. I can remember running out of that room and into the woods and saying some things to God that you probably shouldn't say and screaming. I mean, just all the emotions. And I had a family member come get me and they brought me back into the house and my dad sat me down and talked to me and said, now we're, we're gonna go see your mom and you, you gotta be strong. And because th that's the way men were in the South, especially in the 1980s, you'd be strong, don't cry, don't show any emotion. I'm just a mess because this is my mom. And I was like, how in the world am I gonna go see my mother in the hospital and she's all, you know, she's, she's going to die. Like, what do you say to somebody that just found out they're going to die? And I'm nervous all the way to the hospital. I think that's one of the reasons I get nervous in hospitals even to this day, because you don't know what to say. And I never forget walking in and my mom looked at me and gave me the biggest smile and said, come here got me up in the hospital bed with her, just hugged me and told me, you know what, everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, how do you do that? How do you find out on the day that you have cancer, how do you encourage your child? Because I was, I was not feeling at peace at all. I remember um, they told her there's nothing we can do, and she said, well, I'd rather just go home. She said, I don't want to die in the hospital. I'd just rather go home. And I can remember sitting and talking to her. One day we had a long, serious talk, and I remember she looked at me, and she told me, she said, I'm not scared to death. She said, in fact, the only thing I think I'm really going to miss is time with you. How do you do that? How do you have that kind of peace walking through that kind of storm? It's very simple. She knew Jesus. She knew Jesus. And Jesus did not deliver her from the storm. He delivered her through it. We prayed that God would heal her. God didn't our way, but he did his way. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Now, it's really hard to imagine that particular sentence. Don't be anxious about anything. 
Because we're all in situations that cause us anxiety. But keep in mind that when Paul wrote this, he was in prison. And he was going to die. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And this is what I saw in my mom right here, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what am I saying when I say all this? Moms, I want you to listen to me for just a second. You're doing a better job than you think you're doing. You really are. You don't see it immediately, but you'll see it eventually. They'll circle back around one day, 30, 40, 50 years from now, and say thank you. You know, They'll probably put you in a really nice rest home. I don't know. Maybe you should go ahead and kind of get that arrangement worked out with your kid. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the investment you make in your kids is going to pay off quickly. Let me just review these one more time. Number one, though none go with me, I still will follow. Number two, you invest in what you love. Number three, forgive quickly. Number four, pretending only punishes you. And number five, it is well with my soul. I knew my mom for 11 years, and that's what she taught me. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for today. I want to thank you for every single person watching right now, but especially the moms. Jesus, I want to ask right now that you would encourage them. The heads bowed and eyes closed. There's a lot of moms watching right now, and you're like, do I have what it takes to be a mom? The answer is yes, and here's how you know. You have a child. You have children. That's how you know you've got what it takes. That child or those children are miracles from God. So I want you to know right now that you've got what it takes. And even when you feel like you're falling short, you're probably not. For those um, heads bowed, maybe, maybe God spoke to you in this message and there's somebody you need to forgive. Maybe there's a situation where you need to continue to press on. Maybe there's a situation where you're feeling anxiety because of a, something going on in your life. Maybe, maybe you listen to that last part of the message and you realize, you know what, if I had to go through something like that, like your mom, I wouldn't have that peace because I don't know Jesus. You know you can, and you can know him today by simply asking him to come into your life. No matter where you are right now, watching on the internet or in, in the room, no matter, no matter what's going on in your life, if you want to give your life to Christ right now, all you got to do right where you sit is pray in your heart and just say, Jesus Christ, I confess you are Lord. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. Come into my life, Jesus. Take over. I give everything to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you pray to receive Christ, if you'll hit the hand raise button on the Second Chance website, or if you'll let us know on Facebook by doing the hand raise emoji, we would love to know, celebrate with you, follow up with you any way we can. If you got a prayer request, especially if you're a mom, you got a prayer request, email that in to us on Facebook or hello at perrynoble.com. We would love 
to hear from you. And just to kind of let you know, um, next week we're back into the series on He's Up to Something. Um, we're going to continue that through Memorial Day weekend. June the 4th, no, June the 3rd, I'll be bringing the message live from the Mount of Olives in Israel. Like, I'll actually be there, and we actually have technology to do that. And then on June the 10th, we're starting a brand new series on spiritual warfare. It's going to be awesome. Some of you might not sleep at night, but I promise you this series will be awesome. Thank you for those of you that are giving online. You're making a difference. I'll have building updates next week as I'm meeting with the builder this week. Thank you. I love you guys. The best is yet to come.